Yellow, and welcome to the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. My name is Franks, and his name is Alex. What's up, man? I'm Brian Fantana. <laughs> Not much, man. How are you? Here for all your sports needs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, doing well, man. It is cold as F today. Is um, it? In beautiful Chicago, Illinois. Uh, where I reside in the suburbs. It is currently 13 degrees outside and it feels like negative five. So, oh, wow. yeah, doing nothing outside today. Jesus. I haven't checked the weather today. I pay for that luxury. <laughs> so, what is, is it like pretty much like I know obviously there's probably hotter, warmer times, but like would you say like median temperature all year is like what, 75, 80? Yeah. I would say 68 is probably the median temperature. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it gets chilly out here, but the sun's out right now, so I wouldn't think about wearing anything but uh, uh, what I'm wearing right now, pants and a t-shirt. Someone, I was talking to someone, they're like, why would it, Why is it so worth, you know, why would you pay so much more to live out there? I'm like, because you can be outside year round. All the <laughs> that time. That is as simple as I can put it. Yeah. You don't, you don't, re- you take it for granted for sure, because you sit out here and you complain. I'm sitting in a one bedroom apartment right now and I do not care to tell you how much I pay for rent, but yeah. it's easy to get swallowed up in that. And then you realize that you live in a place that it will never be uh, 13 degrees. Yeah. Right. Feeling so, like negative five. So you're winning. <laughs> <They're past. laughs> yeah, I suppose. But then, you know, it's just like crazy expensive. Right. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy expensive. We were looking at it when I was up in Chicago last with Pat. Because my girlfriend will send me these uh, houses all the time. God, you know, bless her heart. Um, she sends me these houses in these neighborhoods that are just, you know, I, I was born and raised in San Diego. So I know, I know the neighborhoods pretty well. And, you know, the only affordable homes are either like way up North County, San Diego, which is probably like 45 to an hour from where I live or in the ghetto you know, it's just some of these houses and neighborhoods. And I'm like, first of all, like, it's disgusting how much like a one, one bedroom, two bedroom, yeah. 800 to a thousand square feet, 650,000 and sending me these houses on Zillow, like they're affordable, which I guess technically in San Diego, they are. Um, and then the neighborhoods that they're in are just awful. Like it's place. If you ever had the choice, you would never move to that neighborhood. You would only move there out of necessity. But is it like where you can move there now and in 10 years, once it's been gentrified, like you could flip that bitch for a profit or it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's very hard to imagine some of these neighbor, neighborhoods being gentrified. Oh, uh, you know? okay. Yeah. I was talking with her about that the other day, how I think gentrification is a exclusively millennial phenomenon. Yeah. How so? When my parents moved to the neighborhood that I grew up in, well, they, they had, my, my mom had more or less grew up there. Nobody was like thinking about opening up a paleta shop or thinking about opening up a little coffee stand or something trendy and cool. It was just, you live there and whatever was there was there. And somebody might've opened up a pizza place or somebody might've opened up a freaking I don't know, taco shop. Right. Yeah. But then millennials move into places and they have to make it extra trendy, Instagrammable, little niche shops here and there. I feel like that's what gentrification is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I just don't, I don't, maybe it's just been like on a different scale. I just don't think it's happened in previous generations where people have moved into neighborhoods have like completely transformed them by gentrification. Yeah. I feel like if anything, like it's been like reverse gentrification, like where it, traditionally in the past, it's like maybe like it's a nicer area. And then like some people move into the area that are, you know, not like other people that live there or lower income or whatever. And slowly but surely, like the area starts to degrade mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Neighborhood. And there goes the neighborhood. Right. Like there's parts 
all over Toledo that, you know, I think back in like the fifties that used to be really nice. Like nice the, old like by West the art End. museum. The old, yeah, exactly. Um, used to be really nice, big houses. And I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like. And now it, it's so sad to see, man, these houses have all just gone to shit. Yeah. We were walking on Sunday night. We walked to the, the store up the street to grab a little dessert and we saw this little Victorian and, and Jacqueline was like, Oh, that's such a beautiful home. I was like, you'd shit your pants if I took you to Toledo to the old West End because it's yeah. an entire neighborhood of the most gorgeous Victorians you've ever seen in your life. And it's super run down. And I don't, I'll never understand it. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yeah. We're like the first generation to move back into those areas and bring them back, I guess. I, I don't really know. Yeah. So where I grew up, I'm sure back in the day when it was first, you know, becoming a neighborhood, it was just a suburb of San Diego. And so it was probably pretty nice. So maybe, and to be honest with you, I feel like that's the only direction it could go with the prices of houses these days. Like who the hell else can, can afford it? The only thing I can think of specifically in the neighborhood I live in now in Sherman Heights in San Diego is that there's like really, really nice homes. And then like some of them are sandwiched between like little shacks. So I think like generationally families have just turned over these properties. And so you have a mix of like people who might've been able to afford a home in 1950, right? Like, a. uh, like a painter or a welder at NASCO, which is just a mile down the street from where I live, where they build they build the majority of the the ships that we use uh, for our Navy. Oh, okay, cool. And they and you know they used a lot of uh, a Mexican uh, labor, like legal immigrant labor. My grandfather, right? Like he was he worked for the shipbuilders for a while, and so I feel like they they came in, they bought a home because back in that time it was actually a realistic expectation to actually own a home. And then through generations, they've owned that same home. So you have like a mix of like old school Mexican people and like newer millennial generation homeowners in the same neighborhood. It's very interesting. It's yeah. a very interesting. And to your credit, to your point, it has been gentrified a lot. Like there have been gangland episodes about Barrio Logan, right? Wow. And like the meth, the meth trade under the Coronado bridge. It's been documented. And if you go there now, you'd be like, dude, what the fuck? Like, no way. It's so nice. Speaking of math, man, fucking, have you been, uh, not really math, but uh, have you caught up with the new Ozark yet? Nope. Have you ever watched that show? I got to like season two and then just kind of lost interest. Really? Oh, man. I liked it, though. It was a great show. The beginning was amazing. Yeah. First part of season four came out last Friday, I think it is. Uh, Seven episodes. And then the second part comes out later this year, but... It is good. You you fucked up, man. Season three was really good shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to dig in. I, I got a lot of shows going on right now. I'm rewatching The Sopranos. Dude, I've tried. I'm still currently trying to get into it. I'm like five episodes in and I just can't. Hasn't hooked me, man. But everyone yeah. talks about how it's like a, one of the best shows of all time. So I'm watching it, right? And the first season debuted in 99. Mm-hmm. So it goes from like 99 to I think 06. And it's so pretentious. In and which it, way? What do you mean? Um... Like, think of, like, 90s liberal who would watch HBO, mm-hmm. right? Think of Sex in the City meets The Mob, yeah. right? And so I'm sitting here thinking, like, because like all the all the writing is so... You could tell who wrote it, and it wasn't people who have anything to do with, like, mob activities at all. Yeah. Like, some of the things you say, like, what the, like, they would never say that. <sighs> but then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, maybe it's not pretentious. Maybe it's just the first of its kind, and everything else that came after it was pretentious. But the writing is very much like, well, I don't know, like watch anything from the 90s. I feel like everything in the 90s was like so like pretentious and like faux enlightened and everybody thought they knew everything and everybody talked about like, I don't know, like name dropped 
very pretentious people like Foucault or uh, Nietzsche, you know, like, I don't know, maybe it's just, it was just a trend or whatever, but like, I'm, I'm hearing like this dude who's a killer in the mob talk about, you know, topics that you would never expect something like that mm. to talk about. So I'm, I'm viewing it from a different lens, although it is very good. It's a very good show. Yeah. I need to keep trying to get through it, man. I just, I'm hoping it gets better because right now it's just like, okay, let's do Tony Soprano, like whatever. He's cool. But like, there's nothing that's been like, oh shit, I got to watch the next episode to see what happens. Like, it's just yeah. like, okay, that episode ended. I guess I'll watch the next one. And I think I, I think a lot of the hype around it is because it was the first of its kind. Yeah. yeah, you know there wasn't there wasn't a show like The Sopranos before it came out that long form HBO show. That was really like their first show, right? Like their yeah. First I think it was show. I think it was that, and then like The Wire and Sex in the City all kind of at one time. Okay, and then um, what was the other one? Entourage? Wasn't that a big ass one too? Mm -hmm. Entourage. I came a little bit later though. Did it? Okay. Yeah, never never got into that either. But that's like about Mark Wahlberg, isn't it? I think it's loosely based off of his his coming up through through Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So, anyways, enough gossip, Frank. Enough gossip. Let's talk war. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we doing it? Are we going to one? <sighs> I don't know, man. I hope not. I don't think anybody outside of Washington D.C. wants a war. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to go to war. We're, I mean, we literally just got out of one. Yeah, right. We just stopped one. And we sucked at it. Mm -hmm. And we've sucked at it for a while. So I don't know what makes us think that we need to get involved in another conflict. But yet here we are on the brink of another conflict, this time with Russia. It's very interesting. A few months ago, we talked about the ideological subversion of America. And um, there's a similar concept being thrown around in the mainstream these days of mass for formation psychosis, which is something that we won't get into, but it, it's similar. If you've heard of that and you've been privy to that idea, then this idea of uh, ideological subversion will probably sound very familiar to you. So when we talked about it, it was about a KGB agent who had defected to America and was warning America in the eighties about a covert operation happening all over the world, but particularly in the United States, where war was being rage, waged ideologically, right? And so this guy talked about ideological subversion, and he laid out four steps. First step was demoralization, um, and that is where the foreign enemy is presented the ideas of the other enemy, right? In this case, the ideas of Russia and Soviet Union and uh, socialism were presented uh, in, in, in the United States specifically through institutions, and in this case, through our education system, and particularly our higher education system. And then it goes on to talk about, uh, after there was uh, demoralization, then there's destabilization, and we gave plenty of examples of destabilization in America, uh, especially right now. Um, and then there's a crisis stage, which um, you, know, you could probably attribute COVID to that, and then finally, there's normalization, right? We talked about that all the time, the new normal, everything's new normal, the great reset, all this kind of stuff. And he said, what, 20 years? It takes about 20 years to do that? Correct. Yep. Um, and he, when when he was talking about this, this, this K, KGB agent, he goes by the name of Yuri Bezmenov. I don't think, I, I don't think he's still alive. But when he was talking about it in the 80s, he was like, yeah, that's already here. And he was even saying that nobody in their wildest dreams could think of how quickly this first part, this demoralization of America, how fast of a success it was. And so we're all sitting here like just kind of talking about it because we can draw parallels to today 
in America and say that, you know, this guy is, you know, more or less correct about what he was saying back in the 80s. And you might be wondering, well, what the hell does that have to do with us going to war with Russia right now? And I'm glad that you asked. I don't think it's been a secret that since the fall of the Soviet Union, it has been the goal of Russia, who was at the capital of the Soviet Union, to regain the power and glory of the Soviet Union of past, right? And that means that there were key territories that became independent, sovereign republics after the fall of the Soviet Union that would need to then be absorbed back into Russia to form this Soviet Union. And the only thing that was stopping the Soviet Union back during the Cold War and now was the West, right? Not so much America, although we were directly involved in the Cold War, but the ideology of Western society, which is family-oriented, more or less uh, surrounded by church and God, and has a heavy, heavy dose of patriotism, right? So we see this gradual demoralization of America to the point today where we are not stable, incredibly decisive, and the only thing that we can talk about are the things that separate us, the things that divide us straight down the middle. And in all of our discourse, that's the only thing that we could talk about. And I believe, according to the things that, that we've gone over in this show and, 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 and things that I've observed, that that's not on accident. I believe the opposite. I believe it's actually on purpose and that we are the way we are today, not through our own doing, although we do have to take 100% responsibility for, for acting like children, but it's because foreign actors who have a vested interest in making sure that Western ideology is not the prevailing ideology, not only in their sector of the world, speaking about Russia, but in the world in general, because that is what stands in their way. So how do you do that? Well, you could fight a war and try and take over a land, but you know, that that's really tough and hard to do. You're half a world away. So what's the next best option? The next best option is to get inside of the minds of your enemy and turn them over to your way of thinking, or at the very least to mix up the pot so much that everybody becomes confused. Yeah. And that's where we're at. And because that's where we're at, and, and even if it wasn't the doing of, of Russia, right, or, or the enemy, although we have plenty of examples to show that they have been involved in making sure that we are at each other's throats through social media intervention and, and, and you know, in, intervention, intervening, messing with our elections. Intervening. Intervening, thank you, in our elections. <laughs> um, even if that wasn't the case, we are still at that point regardless. And so now Putin is seeing his opportunity. He's saying this now is the time because the only thing that was stopping us and that was in our way before was this Western ideology. And so if America is at the point where we're not willing to fully back up Western values as we had once done in the form of coming to the defense of a sovereign nation, the Ukraine, then our allies, particularly France and Great Britain, would not take that step either if they didn't know that they that they were protected or that we had their back fully. And it looks like we don't really. And so if we're going to be wishy-washy about how we feel, then Russia is going to take action to do what they want to do. And they kind of have a checkmate in Germany because they have Germany by the huevos, 
right? They have them right by the balls because they are now the number one uh, supplier of fuel for not only Germany, but most of Europe, uh, right? So for Germany to get involved in any, in any way would to put their entire country um, at risk of being shut down completely, right? Like they have the option. Russia has those cards to play. And so Germany's not doing anything. America is saying, we'll stop you from uh, dealing in the dollar. And we're not going to make a move if it's a minor incursion. Those are the words, right? Like how weak do we look there? Um, Great Britain has taken a stance, but only so far as they, you know, that they're not going to involve themselves entirely. And France is also kind of like, yeah, we're going to stand on the sidelines on this one and see what happens. And so there's really nothing stopping Putin from going and taking what he wants. And then you have a bunch of assholes in D.C., and they're the only ones spouting this, saying that we, you know, that it's in our interest to, to go and challenge Russia. And maybe it would have been, right? Like maybe it would have been in the past, but you have Biden across the, across the sea saying that America's back and we're stronger than ever, this, that, and the other. And then in the same breath, he's, in, he's stateside saying that the entirety of the next election is going to be debased if we can't pass this one bill. Right. Mm. So we're telling other people, we're trying to potty train other people and we can't even wipe our own ass. And we look terrible. We look super weak. We're not willing to defend anything because we don't know what we are or who we are. We've been, we've been completely demoralized, debased, and now we're confused and we have absolutely no jurisdiction to act in any of these foreign affairs that are going on right now. I, I don't see this working out well for anybody, particularly the sovereign people of the Ukraine. I, I don't really know that much about it, man, but from what I'm hearing, it sounds like they're going to pretty much do whatever the fuck they want at this point, and no one's going to stop them. No one's going to stop them. And the only thing from my perspective that would make us uh, want to become involved is an attack, right? On us or them? Oh, yeah, on us. How, how else would we be involved in a conflict? Yeah, because I, I don't know what like a minor incursion, like my my assumption would be a minor incursion would be them going in and taking control of the shit but like if they're like attacking bombing cities or whatever like is that a ma- does that then become major or do we need to wait until we're literally attacked on US soil or like the soil of the UK or something like that to like actually intervene all great questions al <laughs> you know yeah, who knows these are all great questions that we have absolutely no answer for it may like you know what i'm saying like i don't know like i i wouldn't i wouldn't buy it if, if, if their news came out in five minutes that we had like a, I don't know, like an aircraft carrier destroyed in, in the, uh, in the Baltics or the Black Sea, or even in the Atlantic in Great Britain, I, I'm not sure where we have those ships, but like, or that we had a plane shot down. I wouldn't buy it, dude. I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe that it wasn't, uh, something that was set up. That's the only reason that we would be involved in the first place. And I mean, dude, come on. I know Putin's a smart dude. He's not dumb enough to involve us in a conflict like that uh, just for shits and gigs, right? Like it would be a very calculated move. So like if that were to happen, it's not something that I, I, I would believe at all. Yeah. I mean, have you ever heard like with World War II, like there's a lot of people that say that we might not have orchestrated the attack on Pearl Harbor ourselves, but we knew about it and didn't stop it in order to bring ourselves into the war like to get people motivated in America to go and fight. Yeah, I, I, I have heard that. Um, although we have, we were, uh, very, uh, bullish on, uh, or excuse me, bearish on war during that time. Yeah. I mean, we were still getting out of the depression. So the, 
you know, pacifism was like the the prevailing attitude in America. Nobody in America wanted to go to war. And um, so, I mean, maybe I, 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 there's intelligence that we did know about an attack. Um, yeah, but I mean, Japan. maybe it takes something like that to get us into the war. I, I don't think we want to be in the war again either this time. I mean, it would take something like that, right? Like, and, and that's the thing. It, it would have to be such an obvious, blatant um, attack, uh, such an obvious uh, uh, act of aggression that we would have no choice. And that's what I'm afraid of, is that that's what's going to happen. But I, you know, if there's any gray area or if there's any anything that is fishy about it, like, for example, there's no reason for Russia to attack us right now, right? To attack anything that, that we have going on. And for us to immediately go to the defense of the Ukraine would be us immediately involving ourselves in that war. And that's like, that's what I'm saying. So either that's what we're doing or that's what, not what we're doing. Um, but there's there's really no clear answer. It's pretty clear now that you, the Ukraine will be invaded. It, it seems like an inevitability. And I'm not sure that we're the people that should be standing up for it. And, and let me rephrase that. We should be the people that are standing up for it. But America, as it stands right now, we are not ready. We're, we have absolutely no business in any other foreign affairs because we can't even secure a border in 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 the United States. We, we have absolutely no footing of our own society. So for us to involve ourselves in, in that way would just be just the silliest fucking thing ever. And I, I just, I'm, I'm really scared of, it. I think we all should be a little bit more scared of it because, um, it's kind of going under the radar. No, like it's being talked about, but not in the way that it should be. It's, it's a terrifying prospect and we're right there, man. We're on the razor's edge. We're on the brink of conflict. Would you prefer that we just let them invade and take it? And we just kind of, Hey, that's none of our business. It's the, these are age old debates of land between you guys and, and, at one time you're part of like, this is not our problem. You guys need to figure it out yourself. Like, I I know you can't do that as much with like global alliances, but like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, that's a tough question. What are we supposed to do? We historically in the past hundred years, 80 years or so have been the defenders of democracy in the world. That's been our stance, but we've been able to back that up because we actually lived those values. We were Mm -hmm. liberty. We were freedom. We were independence. We were the bastion of democracy that the world could look to and say, wow, look at it's working there. This is something that we all should do. And we had a right to protect it. Now that's not the case. We're all fucked up, dude. We don't know what anything is. We talked about it last time. Like we are, we are willingly giving over freedoms for a disease that is over 99.7% uh, uh, survival rate, right? Like we have absolutely no idea who we are and what we're doing. So what would I like to see? I would like to see us take a very, very hard non-interventionist uh, stance to be very, very, very much not involved in anything to the point where it's like, like we're almost like hermits right? Like we need, we need to reel it back a little bit. We, we need to, to not intervene at all. And we need to say, Hey, look, we're going to help. We're going to, uh, uh, we're going to honor contractually the, the, uh, treaties that we have with, uh, with company or countries that, that we have treaties with. Right. So the big thing here about the Ukraine and the reason why it's up for grabs, so to speak, is because they're not a member of NATO, the North Atlantic uh, trade oh. organization. And there's been talk in the past and other presidents have tried to get them in, tried to get them in, but they, they didn't really trust the government and they still 
felt a little bit weary about them and their ties to Russia and things like that. So they're not, a, they're not a member of NATO, meaning if they do get attacked, we have absolutely no obligation to go to their, their, their uh, defense. Wow. Nothing even as a part of like United Nations or anything either? Mm, maybe. But the United, it's not like, it's a little bit more specific with NATO. Yeah. And with the EU, like they're, they're, they're all separate. And so um, while it's strategically important for, for the United States and the West for the Ukraine to remain sovereign, it's not like if Europe or like if Great Britain was attacked or France was attacked, right? Or Germany, like we have pacts with these countries. So if these countries are attacked, we're mobilizing immediately because that is the agreement that we have. That's not the agreement we have with Ukraine. It's not the agreement we have with Taiwan, right? So these these things ha- they, these things have ripple effects. China's watching this because China has their warships way past their boundaries. You know, like they have overstepped in a large, large way. They grabbed all of the South China Sea. Uh, and the, and they've made like literally have made islands in the South China Sea and said that that is their land and they've grabbed it, which is, you know, which it, that takes, I forget how many, the percentage of, uh, of trade that goes through that one waterway, but it's like the majority of world trade that goes through that sea, that, that, uh, that seaway. So, uh, and they want Taiwan, they want Taiwan the way they want Hong, they wanted Hong Kong, right? Those are strategic places for, um, China to grab and Taiwan obviously wants to remain independent. They do not want to be owned by the communist party of China. And so China's watching this like, Oh, okay, well, if they can just uh, step into Ukraine, we might just take, uh, our toes and dip them into Taiwan here a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if we're not stepping to defend Ukraine, well, that kind of gives a message that we're also not going to step to defend Taiwan. Maybe we will, maybe we won't, but it doesn't make us look very good. And then who, who, who takes up the mantle? Who, who's the one that, that is going to, to police, uh, you know, tyranny in the world. I wish that was still us, man. I wish we could sit here and say with like a, with like full confidence and a, and a clear mind and clear heart that, yeah, we should go and do that. But how, how could we possibly do that if we're not living those values? Yeah. Right. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. It, I mean, I can go half a block that way and I will be in a tent city. There won't be tents. It's a tent city. We can't take care of our own and we want to go and start a, like, no, no. And I, I, I got to imagine, I don't know this for a fact. I haven't seen any polls but I have to imagine that is the overwhelming attitude of the American people. Hmm. Well, I, I guess we'll see, man. I, I really don't know. What do, has Russia said like when they think like, uh, the, have they announced like we're going to move in by here or anything like that? Or No, I mean, it, it's, it, it's a little bit more complicated. I don't think that they can just go in and just land grab like they did with Crimea back in 08, where uh-huh. they annexed it and, and just basically took it over. Maybe they will, but what it's starting to look like according to some intelligence that was leaked is that they're going to um, like basically infiltrate the leadership and install pro Russian leader. Um, so, so maybe they continue to remain the Ukraine, but they're not, you know what I mean? Like uh, it, it may be a little bit more uh, um, overt than that, but who knows, man, I think at any moment it could, you know, it could happen. Mm-hmm. We, we're sending troops um, we have troops that are going with NATO troops to the Black Sea. Who knows, man? Who the fuck knows? We shall see. How about that football weekend we just had? Oh, man. What a weekend of football. Holy smokes, dude. Maybe the best weekend of football I've ever, that I can remember in my lifetime, honestly, between those four games. Yeah, dude. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was truly unbelievable. Bengals game was solid. Both the Bengals and the, the Bengals, uh, Titans and the Packers yeah. Niners. Yeah. Came down to last minute field goals. The road team won all of them. 
Really? Yeah, because the Niners beat Green Bay at Lambeau. Uh, okay, yes. Bengals beat Titans in Titans, in number one seed. It makes sense. And what was the other one? Yeah. Uh, the Bucks, Bucks lost to the Rams on a field goal. Yeah. All, dude, so what does home field advantage mean anymore? What the hell? <laughs> Seriously. That's crazy. Gosh, like, no kidding. And the Chiefs were in Buffalo? No, no, they were at home. They're the only they ones home? that. Okay. They, yep. Yep. So now the, the road to the AFC, the road to the Super Bowl goes through Kansas City now. I, I would love to see the Bengals win that game. I don't think they will, though. But maybe. I don't know. I think uh, I, I don't have a dog in any of these fights, but I I was really upset to see the Bills lose that game. Yeah, man. That really was a upset. boxing match, bro. Like, that was... Like the be- to me, the better team lost that game, man. I thought the Bills, for being the away team, like went in there and and proved that they they had they they had something to prove. Like they, I, I thought they showed they were the better team, but you give Patrick Mahomes thirteen seconds and he goes sixty yards, like it's nothing. Yeah, it's I, wild, I just man. don't know. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. that last drive was insane. I don't know. If the, I don't know if that's the Bills' defense or if that's just uh, Patrick Mahomes, but. It yeah. was unbelievable. Couldn't believe I'm sitting there. Like I'm watching it with my girlfriend and she doesn't know the first thing about football. And I'm over here making all these noises and she's just like, what are you doing? Are you, are you watching what's going on right? This yeah. is insanity. This is freaking nuts. And then hey, it looks like you were right about your Rams, man. Yeah, dude. Rams. Are, I don't think anyone's beating the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. Now that Green Bay's gone, especially the Niners definitely aren't going to beat them. They're so I don't good. Think. Well, I wouldn't say that. They the the Niners actually have the the Rams number like throughout the decades. Hmm. They have them locked up. So I don't think it's I don't think it's like a sh- open and shut. Especially the way that the Rams almost lost that game. Yeah, that was yeah that was surprising. They're up what two or three touchdowns and almost lost that game. Sitting here texting Michael and I'm just like, dude, there's like how does it how does it happen? How is it that Brady is the one that gets these breaks? I don't fucking yeah. get it, dude. And would they, if they would have won that game, I would have been so upset. Like, the fix is in. How could you not? Like, right. obviously it's not, right? Like, it was a good game, and the Rams had had it all sewn up and were willingly give it away. Here's the, here's the other thing I don't understand. And I don't coach football, so I mean, it's really easy for me to sit here and be armchair uh, quarterback or whatever. But <laughs> how, how do you not play you play to win the game like how do you play conservative football in the playoffs that's what the rams were doing when they had that lead like dude that's why i like belichick belichick so much because he doesn't care dude he'll run he'll run up 50 points on you he doesn't give a fuck about the score foot on the throat and the rams didn't do that man they just played to secure the lead and i guess you know win however you can but Dude, if I'm I'm Matthew Stafford, I'm trying to sling that bitch. You have Cooper Cup. Right. How are you not and trying Odell. to get first downs with Cooper Cup? Like he's he's gonna catch the ball and he's going to get a first down. That's just what he's done all season. <laughs> Trust him to do it in the last two quarters of a, of a football game. They I don't know. I feel like it shouldn't have been nearly as close. And that's the only thing that concerns me about the Rams. Is yeah. that they're, if they're willing to be super conservative like that, maybe they learn from it and just you know, go all out. And like I said, I'm not a coach. That pass rush is scary though, man. It's nasty, dude. It's yeah. so nasty. It's, it's, they're going to be hard to beat. I, I honestly think we're going to see Rams. I think it's going to be Rams Chiefs. Rams but Chiefs. I would love to see Rams the Bengals. Bengals. Yeah, dude. I'd Wouldn't love that be to cool? see the Bengals win, man. That'd be so cool. Yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be like seeing the Bills go, you know? Yeah, right. Exactly. Speaking of the Rams though, did you see what well, in this group chat we're in, uh, Michael sent something about Odell and like how he took his salary this year in Bitcoin instead of in money. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, crazy stuff just for you guys out there. So on November 12th, I think it was, OBJ, he signed uh, like a one-year deal, had some bonuses and stuff, but basically for $750,000. And he announced that he was going to take that all in Bitcoin. 
at that time, Bitcoin was worth $64,293 per Bitcoin. There has been a massive drop off since then, and it's now only worth $35,400. So basically the seventy-five or $750,000 deal he signed in November is now only worth $412,000, about $413,000. But since... I'm not really sure how it works, but I, like he's ca- he's taxed by like California on the initial sum of what his contract's worth, right? Like on the day he signed it. Yeah, um, it depends on how it was structured because if he did take it as a lump sum in Bitcoin, then it would have been taxed as that. Okay, so yeah, and that's what they're saying, and then they're saying that because of California's like and federal taxes, like basically he's going to be taxed at fifty point three percent rate. So. That deal that he signed for $750,000, actually, it's only worth $412,000 now, and he's going to be taxed. Like $375,000 will go towards taxes. So the deal that he's playing on right now is only worth about thirty-six grand. Right now. Right now, right. Yeah, that could fluctuate at any time. You know, you never know, but like, that's a big risk. I didn't like that tweet because it like kind of gives the air that like, like, oh, like look at this dumbass that put his all his money in Bitcoin. And who knows? Maybe he is a dumbass and maybe it becomes like the worst investment he's ever made. But all of these, all of this hinges on the fact uh, whether or not he sells. There's like a really famous quote with Warren Buffett and they asked him how much money he lost during the Great Recession. He said zero. So how could that be? He said, well, I didn't realize any losses. Yeah. I'm taking any yeah. money out. It's still in the market. So when the market goes back up, I now am up. And I'm not even up because I haven't realized any gains. I my money's in the market. So yeah. I don't know. I, that to me was kind of a dumb tweet, but it does kind of show you the volatility of this, of this coin and shit, man. Ooh, stock market is just going bananas right now. It's mm, freaking free falling. Well, and I just think like, it's cool to play the market, man, but to like use your entire salary to play the market, I don't think is a smart move. And I think that's why he's getting a lot of shit. It's not like Odell chose to he got paid $750,000 and chose to put a quarter of it or whatever into Bitcoin. It's like you're putting everything in a, into Bitcoin. You're, the people that took entire paychecks or entire savings and put it into Dogecoin look mm-hmm. like assholes now when it was 70 cents. They look like dumbasses now. Like it's just, yeah. it's so, I mean, you could say that with hindsight, like obviously, but like to put everything you have in, into this stuff that's so volatile is just not smart in, in my opinion. Well, sure, but also, I mean, not everybody's Odell. He's got endorsements. Yeah. He's got money yeah. from other deals. You know, right. it, this isn't this isn't his only source of income. So I'm sure he saw this as just like play money. You know, yeah, oh, true. okay, off, oh, throw it in Bitcoin. Why not? Yeah, yeah. And that I don't know. Pay it, off. it could be great. It's down right now, but I don't. I don't see that lasting very often, much. I I don't think it's uh, it's just a bump on the road to me. It seems it seems as though uh, Bitcoin is definitely here to stay. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. I'm not like even like the, the stock market right now. Like I don't, I'm not super worried about it. It's in, it's in, it's in correction territory. So, you know, that's, I guess more or less about where it's supposed to be. If it drops another 10% and then, then, then we're in a crash and that's talk about that then, but I don't even want to, I don't even want to concern myself with that right now. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But it, it, it makes sense because there's, there's three, three or four, scheduled rate hikes um, right now, this year, by the Mm -hmm. Fed. Meaning that the money that you borrow will become more expensive this year and it'll become more expensive three or four times. I think they're going to do it like a quarter percent every time. Which needs to happen. That needs to happen because 
we are, we're printing way too much money and there's way, 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 way too much debt, like way too much debt. And you just encourage more debt if you make money cheap. Because if you can get money, like, I don't know, I don't even know what is that right now, but if it's like a quarter, if it's like a, quor, uh, 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 a point and a quarter, then and you can, you can pretty confidently expect a 5% return on whatever you're putting that money into. Well, that's a no brainer for anything, like literally for anything. So it needs to happen because inflation is, is just going to continue to skyrocket if money's cheap too, because then you're going to be able to take a lot, you know, a lot more money out. You're going to be able to invest it in, in, in things that you know, you're going to get a return. And if you're making money, you're spending money. And if there's nothing uh, for you to get from the money that you spend, well, then you're just flooding the market with money. And if people know that the market is flooded with money and they cannot produce at the rate that you're demanding, then they're just going to raise the prices up. And that's how inflation goes. So they absolutely need to do it. And I think that's more or less what's going on with the stock market right now. But like, what is U.S. debt? Like I, I talk about it and, and, but like, it's never gone down really. Like it's going to continue to rise. And like, is it even, to me, it's just like this made up nothingness that's just there. Cause it's like, it, it's never going to be paid off ever. It's I'm watching a calculator right now that is climbing mm-hmm. steadily, yeah. you know, and we're at 29 trillion. That's an unfathomable amount of money. Like, <laughs> are we ever going to be able to like make a dent into that or get out of that and like be ahead? Like, I mean, eh, maybe, you know, it, I, I, who knows what the future holds, but here's the thing. So long as we're making payments, so long as we're not defaulting, that debt's as good as gold, triple A rated. Who gives a fuck how much there is? That's, and that's so weird. Pretty much the attitude. Yeah, it is weird. But you know, we're we're dealing in in giant numbers, giant figures. It's it's at that level, like you said, it's just numbers. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's yeah. just numbers. But the numbers, you know, they don't lie. They they have to work. And like I said, if we begin to default on our debt, that's when we're really going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep printing money. It's not good, but we'll do it. And we'll keep making payments on our debt and the world will continue to invest in America so long as that, that uh, bill comes paid every month. So we're just making minimum payments on our credit card bill, basically. Yeah, more or less, more or less. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, that's the whole, you know, that's the whole premise of capitalism really is debt. I mean, that's the whole, yeah. the whole, the reason the whole thing works is because you can borrow from the future. And, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing until you get crazy irresponsible with it. And, and I, 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 I'm pretty confident in saying that America has gotten pretty out of control with debt, not only from like a government spending level, but from a personal consumer level, you know, we've had more debt than we've ever had. A lot of it's predatory. A lot of it's really, really easily accessible, high interest debt. And, um, like that, that kind of stuff has to stop, but how can that stop if we're as a as a nation printing as much money as we possibly could whenever yeah. we want right talk about something fun uh since 2012 more than 100 million people per year have gained access to electricity how about that in the world in the world wow let's see That's here's cool. a chart i like that um here's global access to electricity from 1990 to 2016 percentage of population globally so in 1990 apparently 70%, just over 70% of the world had access to electricity. Now it's close to 90%. Wow. Hey, yeah. pat on the back. Yeah. You know, I think we deserve a pat on the back every now and then. We, we talk about a lot of shit, but we do good too. I mean, I think I think the main focus is good, right? Like we all, to the, like almost to 
to detriment to where we, you know, police every little thing for not being good. But, you know, I think we want to do good. That's great news. Yeah. Um, let's see. Thanks, Akon. <laughs> Why did you say that? Because he's building his city. Or Have you seen that? Like the Akon city that he's building over in Africa? And like, Oh, God, no. I think other people are do, building cities too, but where they're like bringing cities and electricity and all this stuff to places where it hadn't been before. But I don't think Akon's responsible for the 20% increase. So it was just a joke. It's, it's obviously Joe Biden. Thanks, Biden. That's right. Thanks, Biden. Joe Byron. Did you see did you hear that uh that runaway remix that has that, <laughs> that has that sound bite on it? No. Oh my god, I'll have to send it to you. It's freaking hilarious. <laughs> um here we go. Today in India and Pakistan, they produce seven times more uh wheat than they did in nineteen sixty five. Despite a rapidly growing population, both countries are much better fed. I'm just, Good news, I think. Yeah. Hey. Thailand is the first in Asia to move to decriminalize marijuana. What's up, Thailand? Really? Yeah. I didn't expect that. Out of Thailand. I also saw that China changed the ending to Fight Club. The, <laughs> the authorities are now, they now win in Fight Club. The authorities? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess they're saying don't fuck with the state. Oh my God. That's, That's hilarious. hilarious. I'm just I kind of reading this that. right now. I wonder but. if they just CGI'd uh, Brad Pitt. <laughs> getting murdered or something this article says the first rule of fight club in china don't mention the original ending second rule of fight club in china change it so the police win oh my god <laughs> that's crazy that's wild man like you were saying they're kind of getting away from our cinema so now they can kind of spread whatever message they mm -hmm. want now they're just gonna amend our movies to make them fit their narrative too that's um, wild the amount of vegetation growing on earth has been increasing every year for the last 30 years. That's great. Probably because of global warming, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense, right? Greenhouse gases. Yeah, but hey, that's good though. That's good. I like, we like greenery. Hell, hell yeah, that's good. Neil Young, he's causing a stink. This is fun. Just like some quick news back and forth. I like this. Oh yeah, I did hear about Neil Young. Dude, so he's asking Spotify to take all his music off of their platform because they also uh, are like, I mean, they're like the main platform for Joe Rogan, basically. And he's saying that he's spreading vaccine misinformation and that he doesn't want his music associated with a company that would do that. Mm. Well, um, I know Neil Young's a legend and all that, but I don't know that he has that much pool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we talked a few months ago about the James Webb telescope. Yes. Hell yeah. Uh, yesterday, it reached its final destination, a special yes. orbit around the sun, mm -hmm. where it will spend the rest of its life scrutinizing the universe and capturing light emitted soon after the big bang yeah i saw something that said that once it launched and everything like that from it leaving the ground to getting to where it is now there was like with all the great technology we have and everything there was still like 360 something things that like could have gone wrong there was a likelihood of that to happen or a chance at least uh and none of them went wrong like it went as smooth as could be so nice that's amazing yeah it should be it so you know that kind of stuff could have affected how long it'd be up there how far it actually be able to see yada yada mm -hmm. but like it went as good as possible. So we're going to be able to get some crazy, crazy, crazy data from this thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. Many of us expected the pandemic would reverse the long run decline in child mortality. There were early projections that pointed to half a million extra deaths, but now the UN estimates it continued to decline in 2020 by 150,000 deaths mm. from 3.8% to 3.7. So actually mortality rates in children declined. I could see that because more, I mean, more kids are home. They're not out and about doing shit and maybe, I guess, I, I don't know. Probably because kids stayed in more and were exposed to less risk on the whole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Deaths from unsafe water 
sources um, have decreased substantially in the past 20 years. Uh, Niger was the, the number one uh, place where you could die from unsafe water sources, about 250 people per 100,000. And that's dropped down to close to 100, which is incredible. Hmm. And every other country that had rates of, of high mortality due to unsafe water sources have decreased by a substantial amount. See, we're doing good. We're doing all right. It's not all bad. No. I think it's easy to, you know, get caught up in all this stuff that that we're doing wrong. I mean, we talked about in the in the beginning of this episode, right? Like I think if you I think if you look if you adopted a Marxist point of view of the world, you're way more likely to see inequalities in everything versus progress in everything. We talked about this last time too, like the the difference between a, a like a liberal progressiveness versus what progress actually might be, whereas a liberal progressiveness is actually tearing down what was in the name of progress instead of actually looking and calculating and seeing what is what is progress, not just how it feels. And right. you know, I, I I think it's easy to not see uh, progress, but dude, we're doing great. We're, we're really, you know, paying attention to some things that should be paid attention to and actively working to fix them. I think, you know, I don't think we, we give ourselves nearly enough credit for our ability to reverse course and make and make uh, adjustments to to the things that we're doing wrong. Elegantly said. Thank you. So you got your friendship news hour merge round. Yeah, dude. Came in um, Saturday, Sunday. How's it fitting? How's it feeling? Fantastic. Feels great. Warm and cozy and form-fitting feels good let's keep my breasts in place very nicely <laughs> congratulations to the winners the mugs will be shipping out this week oh hell yeah uh, from the different various platforms and we've actually been seeing some awesome support on the merch so that's thank you for the people that are out there buying it and repping it and uh send us pictures out in public take some take some pics let us see you you're rocking the gear absolutely a heartfelt sincere donkey shane all right buddy let's wrap this up yep <sighs> We've got about all the news we could get to, and I need to go and refill my cup of coffee. What are you going to do that with? Coffee that I'm choosing to drink is Gun Barrel Coffee, not only because they sponsor us, but because it is delicious, and drinking that good, smooth cup of coffee. That also helps American heroes and first responders uh, by donating $1 from every single item purchased on their site. The Gun Barrel Coffee, our sponsor, offers 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in whole bean ground or single-serve pods. And right now, as a friend of this ship, you can use the promo code FNH10. You'll save 10% at checkout when you buy the products at gunbarrelcoffee.com that's promo code FNH10 Gun Barrel Coffee damn good coffee damn good cause yeah boy you said it uh, you can reach us um, on Twitter at FriendshipNH you can reach us on Instagram and TikTok same handle Friendship News Hour and you can send us an email at bummerdude.media at gmail.com bummerdude.media at gmail.com see you later bye